Hey there, it's the Machine and Nonsense episode 41, and we have made it to round two of the bracket of nonsense. 64 entered, 32 remain. I'm your host, Eric. Joined as always by Kayla. Hey, hey. And we got Mike on the pod today. Hey. And Tomas. I fixed it. Oh, <laughs> timing. Perfect timing. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, Tomas with the video. Very nice. <laughs> so it's going to be the four of us. We have 32 contenders remaining in the bracket of nonsense. They have made it to round two, and I'm going to tell you who they are. Leslie Nope, Mabel Pines, Walter Kovacs, Cliff Booth, Ahsoka Tano, Vegeta, Alucard, Big Boss, Tony Stark, Nathan Drake, Gollum, The Joker, Ben Wyatt, Phil Dunphy, Anton Chigurh, Joel Miller, Thanos, Lou Bloom, Tyrion Lannister, Yennefer, Ingrid Thorburn, Lilu Dallas, Undyne, The Undying, Sirius Black, Rust Cole, Ellen Ripley, Marcian, May Borowski, Tokushira Surumi, Arthur Morgan, Kratos, and George Costanza. Hey. Can't stand you. Yeah. So they fought hard. They made it to round two, and we're going to make them fight a little bit harder because <laughs> we're going to get this list of 32 down to 16. We're going to have eight battles today on this episode and then eight on the following episode to get it down to 16. You folks ready? It's going to be a blow. Ready. ready. <laughs> I feel like this can be faster. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Some of them will take a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of them I feel real good about, though. Yeah, some of them kind of. <laughs> Some of them skirted through by the skin of their teeth. Yeah. <laughs> so, Leslie Nope from Parks and Rec versus Mabel Pines from Gravity Falls. Oof. Not Gravity Rush, right? I was going to say <laughs> Gravity Rush, but it's big time rush. I played some of that. <laughs> uh, so, if you're not aware from from uh, our earlier episodes, we love Leslie. She was a number one seed. Just a fount of positivity and uh, glee. Um, but in a lot of ways, so is Mabel Pines. Who wants to speak on Leslie's behalf? I think anybody could do that, to be honest. Uh, you mentioned a few uh, nice characteristics. Leslie Nope, but she's also um, human in the fact where she'll fall apart in situations that aren't that that big of a deal. You know, she's very dramatic in the the hot mess that she can be at times as well. Oh yeah, yeah. She's she's human in that regard. Like she's surrounded by people who care about her and want to champion her and want to push her forward. She also struggles with the idea of like like leaning on those people sometimes uh but like the greater part of her character that i've enjoyed is like when she finally does need to lean on those characters and 
Uh, we mentioned this before. Like, what makes that show so good is that it's the cast and how they work well together. Uh, but like Leslie is like the like character. She is the driving force. None yeah. of these people's none of these people's lives would have progressed forward the way they have if Leslie wasn't like the anchor that like kind of held them all down. And like to me, that's what makes her character so good. And like the fact that like she cares about everybody else other than herself, but like in spite of that. Like she still gets like all the good shit too. Like she gets her Ben Wyatt. Uh, you know, she she saves the city that she loves so dearly. Uh, you know, it's like and, and you know, like Bunny's a trash town. <laughs> it's like <laughs> but 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 she loves it so much and she will kick and scream and fight tooth and nail because she's just so proud of like the small little podunk town that, you know, she grew up in and um uh, I don't know, man. She's just an amazing character. Like, she's a champion of the people. Uh, and the people support her because of that, because it's genuine. So, Mike, I know you're a, a Mabel man, right? Mabel man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mabel has, shares a lot of the good qualities that, that Leslie has, you know, but, but in a 10-year-old girl kind of thing. Uh, so imagine a ten-year-old version of Leslie in a way, <laughs> without the political ass, you know, yeah. parts <laughs> of it. Uh, but she's she's just a ball of joy, and when all this crazy stuff is happening uh, to her brother Dipper or to both of them or whatever, uh, she's able to find you know the humor and the fun in all of it. And uh, I don't. I don't. I, I love Mabel. I'm gonna be honest. I don't think she can hang <laughs> with, with Leslie, the Titan. No. Uh, yeah, it's oh, tough. I love Mabel too, but let like you guys said, like Leslie's. She's 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 gonna be a tough <laughs> yeah. tough one to beat here. Uh, I don't think Mabel's the one that's gonna do it. I know Josh would probably put up a more fiery uh, argument for her, but uh, Josh loves both of these characters too, though. Yeah, yeah, that would be tough for Josh to pick between these two, I think. But and it's t- it's tough for me too. But Le- Leslie's just—I don't know. I, she's in a she's, hold up, she's playing a whole other sport. To Mabel, <laughs> she's playing a whole different sport. So, in regards to Mabel, um, and, and like like you said, they're they're both just like you know extremely positive characters. But we do get to see Leslie kind of get knocked down at at points throughout throughout Parks and Rec. Um, does Mabel keep up on that that high? You know, is she just like always positive, no matter no matter the situation? No, not not exactly. There are. There's a there's a whole episode where she gives up and she gives in and she's like in this per she's in a fake perfect world where anything she wants she gets and she wants to stay like she's fine with staying in that and she like Dipper has to break her out of this this spell pretty much um, so she has flaws of course like she's not just a you know perfect like ball of sunshine but but most of the time she is you know she has a 
She loves her pet pig, Waddles. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she she gains friends through this stay at, 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 her, at her uncle's place this summer. And uh, she has her own adventures of her own. It's not all just her palling around with Dipper. Uh, she's, she's a really strong character, but like I said, uh, with Leslie, like, and even even when Leslie loses her shit a little bit, she's doing it in the most Leslie way, where she thinks she's dunking on somebody, but it's <laughs> really just cute and, and precious. Like even when she's <laughs> yeah, she she'll go to bat. She will she will fight if oh, if yeah. she felt she needed to, and it would like you said just be in the most Leslie way. It- the show does such a good job for you, like, wanting to, like, be in her corner tubes. Like, there's parts, like, around, like, season three where, like, you know, she's struggling with the, the whole Ben thing, not being able to do it because of, like, she's so dedicated to the job and, like, not breaking the rules. And, like, she has to give up, like, she feels like she has to give up, like, this important part of, like, her own happiness. And, right. Like, during the whole entire time, like I'm watching, it was like I was like, no, was like you need a few of that. It's like, <laughs> but, like I don't know. It's like I, I love it. It's 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 very human. Uh, as as goofy as the show is, it conveys those motions uh, in a very like compelling way uh, because you know it's a it's usually not a very heavy show in a lot of regards, but like you know it's like you get to watch like. The characters grow up like I don't know, man. It's like fucking love Leslie. Nope. Right. I love I love waffles. <laughs> see the moments when you get to see Leslie win in Parks and Rec are just some of the most rewarding, like just like, yeah, I've been I'm investing my time in this show and this is why. You know, like to see her come up on top, whether it's yeah, her relationship with Ben that keeps getting cut at the knees every time they're trying, you know, for like her, her political career and, and things like that, or her battles with Jeremy jam, like Bobby, Bobby Newport. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Like just every single person <laughs> in this town is against the best person in the town. <laughs> and when she find like, she keeps like, uh, you know, rising to the occasion. It's, it's great. It's great. Both of these shows are great. You should watch them. Especially Gravity Falls. If you have young kids, check it out. Parks are everyone can watch it. Best example of Leslie Nope is that centaur goddess <laughs> painting. <Yeah. that. laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, Man, need to watch Parks again. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, there was a reason this section was called the Leslie Note Bracket, and she was a number one seed. I think, you oh, know, well, <laughs> it's a tough yeah. it's a tough uh, break for anyone to go up against Leslie. You know, she got Daniel Plainview in the first round and yeah. and, you know, beat uh, another character who could have been a one seed. Um, and, you know, I think she's up against a very similar character, but it's hard to hard to beat Leslie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's all right. It's like, it's like boxing Tyson in his prime. It's not, <laughs> not going to go well. Okay, so Leslie Nope beats Mabel Pines.
to go into round three. The next matchup is probably the uh, biggest swing uh, from <laughs> from two immensely positive, happy characters to two uh, just kind of pieces of shit, but really cool pieces of shit. Um, we have Walter Kovacs from Watchmen, and we have Cliff Booth from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, two cool guys that are cool in completely different ways. <laughs> um, uh, but like I said, kind of two very um, challenging characters. I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, they both they both done some shit and seen some shit. Uh, so Walter, uh, he, he won in round one, I think in, in a lot of ways, just by being completely dedicated to his, his mindset, his mantra of like how he sees the world. Um, he sees the world as this, uh, kind of unending cesspool that needs to be just eradicated and that, and he knows how how that's going to work. Um, he you know he has these, this moral code where um, you know he 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 knows what's up, and um, you know he's going to fix things his way. So he's like the ultimate anti-hero. Uh, he in a lot of people's minds, you know, uh, Rorschach is is this heroic character, and and in the Watchmen TV series, he's even held up as this like almost a deity by by an entire cult um but uh you know obviously very flawed a very cult, angry man yeah, an evil cult an evil cult I mean, are there i mean are there like cults that you're like yeah that's a good cult like that's, okay. that's a, this one's right? real bad this, this one's a real bad cult. <laughs> uh, but you know walter literally uh, we, we said it in the first round he he stands up to a god at one point in in Watchmen, knowing full well he he is not going to to make it out. Um, but you know he has the ultimate convictions, uh, you know, behind him. So I know Cliffy B is your guy, uh, Mike. But Kayla, I'm sure you could also speak on on Cliff. So you know, either shit, any of you guys, take it, take Cliff. I mean. Cliff's not dealing with gods or, you know, the end of the world or anything like that. He's he's just he's just living life, man. He's just riding the coattails of a uh, once very famous friend of his and uh <laughs> but he's not bitter about any of that or of, you know, the sun coming down on that part of his life. He's he's riding riding out the end of it, you know, and just just going about his day. Uh, or days here in this movie, and and you just you just want to be Cliff Booth. He's just so fucking cool. <laughs> like he, I, I on a, a recent rewatch, uh, just that, just the final scene. He's tri- He he smokes a a, a cigarette dipped in acid. <laughs> dealing uh he's dealing with these fucking mansonites fucking coming in with guns and shit and knives another bad cult yes, yes. <laughs> he's he's taking down the cults man you know thank oh. you Kayla. and 
It's like, and he rec he dealt with these characters before at Spawn Ranch, and he's fucking. Yeah, I recognize you. You were on a horsey. <laughs> out, but he's he still has control of the situation even though he's fucking tripping balls and yeah on the guy's pointing the gun he's like i'm the devil and i'm <laughs> the devil's work <laughs> Cliff just nah i'm something stupider <laughs> he's able to 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 have such a strong comedic presence in the movie and be a kick-ass, badass action, you know, kind of thing. With minimal lines. He doesn't He doesn't say too much. It's a lot of just Brad Pitt's gravitas and, and presence. And just, he he was, like, he's Cliff Booth. Like, yeah. I, I wouldn't want any other uh, actor to be Cliff. He just, man, like, Steve McQueen, John Wayne, you name it, all rolled into one. Like, I don't know. He's just... Just cool as fuck. The name of the movie is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And <laughs> and like you were saying, like he's just this riding on the coattails of his once famous friend. And he's just like like you said, he's just living his life in Hollywood. This is what life is like in Hollywood. It's, <laughs> for for both of them, it's like for such him. a perfect Six title nine. for both of their stories. Uh it, it's fun. It's a life in Hollywood. Yeah, I you you said I think you said something about like you you want to be Cliff Booth. I think that's the major um, difference between these two characters. Is I don't think any of us want to be Rorschach, uh, ah, but <laughs> but uh, you I know I, I I I I take uh, take Cliff's uh, <laughs> everything. Just I, yeah. I want to be Cliff. Cliff is so fucking cool. Oh, cool oh, car. Boy. You mentioned Spawn Ranch in uh, an earlier scene in in the movie, um, and I've seen every single Tarantino flick and um, and a lot of other movies as well. And I don't know if, at least in recent memory, uh, uh, a scene has like scared me as as much. I I was like really afraid oh, yeah. for Cliff in that scene in a movie that's not really like a a horror nah. movie at all it's not <laughs> meant to be a really scary movie it's like a action comedy and you know most of it and honestly it's like a... that's tarantino for you yeah yeah he's and really just... good at shifting gears <laughs> and i think yeah. it's it's some of his best work just like the tension that's that's built and and cliff is center in that you know i think if if it was someone else in that scene because there's other like main characters or, or big characters in in the movie if it's someone other than cliff in that situation i maybe don't feel the same way but i had already like midway through that film had such a connection to like cliff that i was like oh man this dude's gonna fucking get ripped apart or something and i'm yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna hate the rest of this movie like, <laughs> so um i think that speaks volumes tarantino is like just such a soothsayer of like his medium like it's they nobody else can like really do a film like him um uh, like you know, he's uh, got a very specific he's good at thin, it too. he's got like, a very you, you guys, style you guys made like you know brad pitt being like the perfect backdrop to this character like Tarantino's just got a real good knack of like writing parts for specific like actors and yeah. just making that shit work so well. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, that's. I mean, I love Rorschach. Don't get me wrong. He writes like the best supporting characters. Like that too. Three Oscar wins for for his his second fiddle kind of guys in his movies. <laughs> It's and they're like, the ones that really stand out most of the time. It's like, I don't uh, know if I'd want to live in Quentin Tarantino's universe. <laughs> like, but I, it's, it's so, it's so interesting. And it's like, you love the characters. Uh, they're so grimy and gritty, but like, you want to know more about them. Um, like, I love Rorschach. Don't get me wrong. I love Watchmen. <laughs> Excellent movie. Um, uh, Excellent graphic novel. Alan Moore is one of my favorite writers. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Rorschach's cool too, man. I, he's like those those action scenes in that movie when he's just kicking ass. Oh, yeah. Like, that prison that prison riot scene when he just starts starts <laughs> that huge fight. You know. Yep. Uh, one of the and best I, lines in that movie, I'm too. I'm not trapped like, inside of here with you. You're trapped inside of here with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's real good. It's real yeah. good. Yeah. And I, I love... He has all the best lines in that movie. The, and just the ending, you know, how his plan, you know, to to let the world know, like, what was going on, you know, even though he knows he's going to get fucking probably... He doesn't know what's exactly going to happen to him, but he just gets vaporized, you know, at yep. one point. And, uh, Not even in the face of Armageddon. No compromise. It's cool, but I, I, I think Cliff would handle himself in that, in that, in that way too. Like I don't know if he was in that situation with Doc Manhattan. So he'd be high, but yeah. Other than that, yeah. it's pretty I much. Think the same. I think he'd get his way out of it. Honestly, I mean, <laughs> if he could. He could make his way through a movie set full of <laughs> teenage girls. <laughs> like, <laughs> then <laughs> oh. he can he can take on take on a god. Okay. All right. So, are we calling it for Cliff in this situation? I mean, it's 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 closer than than maybe we let on from for me at least. But but yeah. I gotta go, Cliff. I, I love Cliff. I'm Cliff. I'm giving. I'm still gonna go Walter, but I figure it's leaning Cliff. Wow. Okay. So mm. I guess technically I haven't uh, weighed you haven't in. Voted yet? I haven't. Um, Yark, what's what's your take? Yeah, we gotta ask <laughs> Yark. Um, I I think I'm gonna put, and I said it before. I'm gonna put it down to. I'd like to be Cliff Booth. I would not like to be uh, Walter Kovacs slash Rorschach. I just, I, I wouldn't. Uh, even like the world that that no. he lives in, oh, like that's the world awesome. of the Watchmen, uh, I, I would not want to be in, in that world. Whereas the um, the version of Hollywood uh, from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I'm into it. I could do that. <laughs> yeah, this movie, this and Once Upon doesn't really fit in with the the bleakness of you know pulp fiction and and you know bastards and stuff like that so this it really is kind of a fairy tale from from quentin and 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 cliff's the hero of it you know <laughs> well cliff beat bruce lee and now he's beaten walter kovacs Oof. so cliff booth making it to round three so he's dr manhattan 
<laughs> it, well, we'll see if, uh, you know, maybe in the next bracket of nonsense, we'll have Cliff up yeah. against Dr. Manhattan at some point. Oh, boy. All right, next matchup. Ahsoka Tano from Star Wars The Clone Wars versus Vegeta from Dragon Ball Z. Gotta put my best widow's peak up. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun one. Um, we've said a lot about the parallels between Ahsoka Tano and Jolie Bindo, another member of the Bracket of Nonsense. Um, both gray Jedis, both, um, you know, everything you know about about Jedis, uh, cool lightsaber stuff, the Force, everything, the whole Star Wars package, but willing to kind of um, go their own way and not stick with the uh, the Jedi Council and um, you know stick with the old rules and the the kind of dogmatic relationship that the the Jedi have with with the galaxy uh, and and all that. So Ahsoka. Really complex character in in terms of Star Wars, which is often kind of underwritten. We, we could all say um, Ahsoka Tano is definitely not. Uh, she is is a complex character who goes through a lot. We get to see her. I think there were eight seasons of the Clone Wars, so we get to see her maybe as much as any character in Star Wars lore. Uh, and and we're continuing to because she's uh, you know she's going to have I think her own show and she was featured in the Mandalorian and so it's obviously a character that um, you know Star Wars fans really care about uh, and and um, just important in in Star Wars lore. And then there's Vegeta. Who would Vegeta. like to speak on Vegeta's behalf? Well, that was my character. <laughs> Do it. I mean. Vegeta. Vegeta. <laughs> I mean, I, Vegeta is like always kind of like my dude. It's one, he's short, so it's already already kind of like drawn to him as a character. <laughs> uh, say what you will about the rest of the characters in Dragon Ball Z. Uh, Goku sucks. He's a horrible father. Uh, <laughs> everybody else sucks, but Vegeta, like Dragon Ball Z, is really good at like. Taking a bad character and then making them the character that you love most. <laughs> like, you know, Vegeta actually has a character. Like, like Goku is this bland, always taking off. All I want to do is fight, fight, fight. And, like, Vegeta is, like, this guy. He's born into, like, you know, he's the prince of his race. And, uh, you know, so he's, like, already, like, he's born with, like, you know, a silver spoon in his hands. And then he runs into this like country bumpkin saying dude who's like like who just excels at fighting. Like he's just good at like getting better and like he's like not even like stronger than him like when he first meets because like you know, Goku manages to, you know, hold him off. And he's like from that point he's like constantly in the shadow of like this person and like he uses this motivation to, like, try to get himself better, uh, try to become stronger. And, like, throughout the whole entire, like, thing, like, he has this, like, idea of, like, his his goal in life is to be better than Goku. But, like, in the process, like, you know, he, he becomes, like, just a better person by proxy, too. Like, you know, he ends up falling in love. Uh, you know, he ends up having, uh, 
you know, he has a son, he has a family, but like he's still got like this burning like desire to be better, even if for a moment, like to the point where like during the Boo saga, he like, you know, allows himself to get control to become a little bit stronger just so he can have that one fight with him. And, uh, you know, it was like he's almost willing to like sacrifice everything that he built up to that point just for that one moment. And then like even like towards the end of that, like, you know, they're fighting Majin Buu and he's like, it's like, you know, he's he's not a scumbag. He's flawed. He's like definitely got a lot of fucking issues. He's obsessed <laughs> with like a lot of the wrong things. But like even in the long run, he's like realizes that like, you know, maybe this is just who I am. Maybe I'll never be better, you know, and like he's willing to like sacrifice his own life for the sake of the planet, for the sake of his family. Um, you know, and this is coming from a guy who originally showed up and he's like, I'm just going to blow up your fucking planet and I'm going to steal some Dragon Balls and become immortal. And then all of a sudden, he like, he becomes like this more like intricate character. Uh, he's, he's just like so much better than Goku fucking like just as a person. He's a better father. Um, you know, he's got more character. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I fucking love Vegeta. He's just an interesting character. His pride always leads him to like do stupid shit, but like I don't know, man. He's he's just a really cool dude. <laughs> and uh like he he's a flawed character. And it sounds like, you know, you know, Ahsoka, you know, she's gone through some shit too. Uh, you know. I was gonna say like at the at the top of her character that, you know, space politics suck. <laughs> like she's like she's like deals with the huge brunt of that and like she has to become a different person, like not necessarily by choice as well. So I feel like they're kinda similar in regard. The thing that I think is simplest about Ahsoka is that like she just ultimately tries in everything she can to do the right thing. Like, no matter, like, she just wants to help people and do the right thing. Oh, it'll cost us too much money or whatever they say. Because she's a commander in the in the Clone Wars. Uh, she just always, always wants to do whatever it takes to help the people. Yeah. And ultimately, that's what makes her disagree with the Order and, and leave. She's, uh... She tries to take the high road in a very utilitarianistic kind of society. Like, people are like, cost-rewards kind of mentality, and she rather forego costs in order to do the right thing. Yeah, she's one uh, of the only Jedi that seems to even care about about the clones, like, treats them as actual, you know, like human beings. People. You're right, exactly. Um, yeah, she you know. rescues... Rex, like one of the main clones, and then that needs to uh, <laughs> rescue a few clones that get to survive and, and don't enact Order 66. Yeah. Yeah, she's like one of the only characters that gets to, you kind of get to see Anakin's fall through her in, in, a, in a different light. Um, so it, it definitely frames all of that differently than we've gotten to see from in the movies, we get to see Anakin's point of view and we've already kind of had that fight of how like poorly that was done in, in a lot of ways. Um, but in the clone wars, I think pretty much everyone uh, does agree that, um, it's the way 
it should have been. It's the way that like how everything should have been framed, how, you know, it, it gets to, to the depth of, of Anakin's character and, and without having Ahsoka there to act as kind of like the, the point of view character for, for the audience. Um, I think, um, you know, I think she did a lot to, to reframe Anakin and reframe just like kind of the story of, of star Wars. I think, you know, for a lot of people, it was getting very stale, um, yeah. especially in, in the movies and everything. And, and Clone Wars was a breath of fresh air for, for, for the entire series. And I think um, it's led to, to some, some, good, some good changes uh, going forward as well. I think and, she's made appearances in, in, in Clone Wars, Rebels, and in The Mandalorian. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, she's, she's almost like, Potentially, it seems like they're framing her as one of the new like stars going going forward. Um, you know, outside of the Skywalker clan and everything. Yeah, I, I liked uh, there was how Ros- Rosario Dawson uh, portrayed the character so far in The Mandalorian. That's the only kind of taste that I've had, and uh, she was really cool. Cool sabers, they're so cool. They should have taken this thing away from Lucas a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. But uh, I don't think baloney. anyone uh, <laughs> says no to that. <laughs> Vegeta for me is just so important shaping personally, like just the anti-hero for me like that. I, I love a good anti-hero. And I, for okay. me, Vegeta was the first one because you watch the show and he's the big bad for a while and he has this, you know, great fight with Goku. And you you hate the guy, you know, you're like, oh, man, fuck, Goku needs to fucking whip this dude's ass, you know, and then, but he, and you think, well, okay, he defeated him, he's gone, but he stick, you know, he keeps coming back into the story and he's, he's now talking to other character and you're like, okay, well, this guy seems all right, actually. And he, I really, he grew to become my favorite character of the show. Oh, yeah. Um, um... I think like the huge turning point is during the Frieza saga when Goku shows up out of his healing pod and like Vegeta just got his ass whooped because he thought he was a Super Saiyan for like the tenth time during that story arc. Yeah. <laughs> and he and he tells he lays it all out there for Goku. He's like, you know, it's like this is what happened. This is what this son of a bitch did to our people, to our race. They enslaved me as a child. Uh, they made me kill people. It was like, and it's like it, it sheds a new light on his character because, like, he never really had a choice to be anything other than what he was. Yeah, you know, so he's not necessarily just this like, I want to kill people because it's fun. He's like, I didn't really have a choice in the matter. It was either that or all of my people die. And you know, it's like, yes, they're warfaring and like kind of race, but like even then, like you know, they had a gun pointed to the back of their head, and. Uh, you know, Frieza killed all of them. And then, like, you know, and then Frieza kills him right in front of Goku. And, like, and, you know, on top of that, you know, like I said, you know, he, and through it all, he, you know, he builds a family uh, and he becomes a different person. And he's he's flawed in a lot of ways. His pride almost gets the world killed, like, a million times over in that series. <laughs> like, when he's fighting, when he's fighting Cell and he could have just, like, killed him at second form. <laughs> He's like, Cell's like, I can be better. He's like, all right. And it was like, it's like, I'll, I'll take some of that big dick energy. <laughs> nah. That leads to some of his, you know, greatest moments too. 
I, I I know you said he's he's like he's got the the most the most pal the most colors on his palette compared to everyone else in the show, but still kind of a thin palette, uh, probably compared to Ahsoka and what's going on. Oh yeah, it's it's a shonen, uh, shonen manga. Yeah, yeah, it's not you know, it's a it's, soft spot character because for sure we grew up yeah. with them uh, because like. If if we had watched if we got Dragon Ball before we got Dragon Ball Z, Piccolo may have been the character for this, because there's, but like I didn't understand yeah. why Piccolo was a bad guy when I first saw him. Although like the the story arc like when he when he like grows into a character when he becomes Gohan's stepdad, <laughs> like <laughs> like and 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 he and he like sacrifices himself to save Gohan versus Nappa. Like I fucking cried <laughs> when I saw that scene as a kid. Like, uh, you know, it's like the regular like happy-go-lucky I'm a superhero characters. They're you know, that's not what Dragon Ball Z is about for me. You know, it's like I like to see the damaged, flawed characters kind of redeem themselves. Because like it, like I said, it's it's a shonen manga. You know, anime characters are you know a dot. You know, wild diamond, diamond dozen. It's, yeah, it's like... and I every anime I watched after that, I always leaned towards the kind of Vegeta mold, you know, Kiei yeah. or you yep. know Shishomaru and in, Inuyasha or something well, like that. Well, even, I think that's why, like you know, even with Yu Yu Hakusho, like all the characters are like that. All the good guys are, you know, like they're not perfect. You know, Urameshi is, yeah. you know, you know outcast you know kid who's like given a chance at like becoming something better uh, but you know now i'm talking about a bunch of other shows so yeah <laughs> but it, it's, it's, it's a bit of an archetype for that kind of thing too so yeah what yeah by far vegeta is my favorite character on on dragon ball z i don't even think it really comes close in my in a show with dozens of of cool characters like yeah. i think vegeta yeah. Um, it may be a, a shallow palette or a palette without like f f uh, that many colors, but like out of anyone, he definitely goes on the biggest like journey, the biggest like change of of characterization and everything else. Um, yeah. I think, at least in my opinion. Um, right. Quick question: favorite favorite bad guy, Dragon Ball Z? Cell. Yes. Yeah. Cell's <laughs> great. I got nothing. <laughs> there we go we got anything out of this bracket it was that <laughs> i mean i guess if if you allow me to have vegeta i'd say vegeta but um and to me that's what uh what dings him a bit in this is uh he goes back to those same it's kind of like like with ellie when we were discussing ellie in the first round like there's just decisions made kind of over and over again that you're just like, come on, man. I thought we were over this. Like, I thought we were done with the whole rivalry thing and, like, you were going to finally put, like, your own pettiness, your own pride. We always talk about Vegeta's pride and everything. I thought you were going to, like, finally put it behind you and fully go fully good, fully be the good guy to save the day and nah, nah, man. <laughs> like, I feel like that's the choice he makes. Yeah, it's like a broken record in in a lot of ways, and like it does it's all about choices. 
for were, you, me, were you watching the same anime, bro? <laughs> <laughs> it it like it 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 grates on me at at points where like I guess like you you brought up the Boo saga, uh, yeah, Tomas. Uh, that would be like a big point there where like, all right, I thought we're fully in. Okay, we got a tournament. We got Goku and Vegeta. Cool. It's just we're gonna do this, and then he like makes the decision to go somewhat full bad like he just murders people and stuff yeah, again man. you know like uh and it's like come on come on man <laughs> I thought we yeah. were done with this. like come on we're dealing with shit now man <laughs> right right when 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 goku's the voice of reason in all of this right you know, something's going yeah. off the rails but i mean i love him i love vegeta oh, like i said by he like blows anyone out of the water maybe maybe piccolo is like a a somewhat close number two, he's, he's but a close like, second, definitely. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's still year. Vegeta, you know. Uh, and I do want to note, you had the opportunity to say that Frieza had a Gallic gun to the Saiyan's head, uh, but you didn't. Uh, and uh, I think that speaks to. Um, They're uh, pulling out some you know, dirty fireworks. Yeah, me. <laughs> so, so I think Ahsoka wins, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Take it to uh, a vote, right? Are we ready? Uh, yeah. I feel like yeah. I just got hit with the final Revenger. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, ouch. Uh, Tomas, I, you went to bat for Vegeta like very eloquently, very well. I, I, I hats off to you. Uh, I know it's going to be a tough one. But the argument for Ahsoka is really strong, and I, no. I, 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 the point that really won it for me, I, I, Eric made was. Uh, just how thin kind of the the story for these characters in Star Wars is overall, and then having having a character uh, that's actually a character <laughs> in yes. Star Wars, <laughs> and and being and I it if it she has a different point of view on these moments that were bad in the movies that she can actually kind of you know they're done well I, that I'd actually would want to check someday so. Oh yeah, my, my votes for Ahsoka. Well, I picked Vegeta, so I'm picking Vegeta. But <laughs> you guys, you guys made an excellent argument. Like, um, like I said, I I never take away from any of the arguments you guys made. But I got, I brought Vegeta to the dance. I got to stand with him at the punch bowl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I will also happily stand beside my Broughton, Broughton character, uh, Ahsoka. <laughs> well, you're. Your date looks better in her dress than mine. <laughs> so. She's got great armor, great armor. But uh, yeah, I'm going Ahsoka too. Um, just because I, you know, she. I said with Vegeta, he just makes some choices that I I shake my head at, you know, multiple times, and I don't remember uh, Ahsoka doing that. Like I feel like, like Kayla said, she's always trying her best to to just do the most for the most people um no matter what so just a positive character in that sense and she does that in spite of being like a character in such a shit universe yes <laughs> such, shit, <laughs> such shit politics and like like everybody sucks in star wars man like <laughs> the jedi that. suck the fucking the whatever the the I don't even know, like, the Republic or, like, whatever. Like, all the politics of that, like, <laughs> fucking universe are awful. Trade wars, man. Trade wars. 
so, okay. Ahsoka going to round three over Vegeta. But, uh, to the dance. yeah, yeah. But, you know, pour one out for Vegeta because he's, he's a real OG. He, he the biggest OG. Here's a fun one. Here's a fun <sighs> one. Two. These are both of my characters, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Two men of, of few yeah, words. Uh, well, one's a man and one's a half man. Uh, but uh, we have <laughs> we have Alucard from Castlevania, and we have Big Boss from Metal Gear Solid. Um, so I don't. I, I'm not gonna. Well, who can, who can speak for Alucard other than me? Uh, Mike can Mike can you handle both of these because these are both of my characters. I don't really want to make an argument for both of them. <laughs> sure, I, I I could speak for at least one. I don't. I mean, uh, uh, but I could speak for both. Sure. Uh, well, I I like both of them. This is a very hard decision for me. So I feel yeah. I I, I it's tough for me yeah. too. Uh, well, actually, cards, no, no, wait, 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 wait. Was Big Boss me? No, I think that was you. Oh, you did boss. That's I did right. The right. boss. So you do Alucard. I'll do big boss. I'll do Alucard, and then okay. Yeah, yeah. I do, I'm I'm just big boss, and the boss are like my favorite characters in the Metal yeah. series. So like they're all mine. God, if we could have <laughs> added Bruce Springsteen to this bracket, it would have been just. Oh, oh, I'm like thinking back. We could have put Paul Rudd on here. Uh, <laughs> like, he's the immortal. Um, he is. No. All right, uh, Alucard. Um, not as much source material on this character as Big Boss either. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I picked the anime version of Alucard. So uh, yeah, it was like, I don't know, man. It's like, I like his character. He's he's brooding. He's, you know, it's like, he's like kind of like, he's like this character where it's like, he's half human and he's half vampire. Uh, he's like this, like, thing that should not be. Like, when you ultimately think about it, uh, and he's like, you know, he's struggling with this idea that, like, you know, he probably shouldn't even, like, exist in this world. Um, you know, his mother was killed by religious zealots, uh, and, like, his father's on, like, this tyrannical rampage to kill all humans. And it's like, and he's struggling with this idea. It's like, that's not what his mother would want. Um, you know, and he's got this idea that, like... You know, at first he, t you know, he takes a point of neutrality. He's like, uh, you know, I'm not going to deal with it. It's not my problem. I'm not going to, you know, you know, I'm staying out of it. Big bad Vlad, and, you know, do your thing. Mom's dead. There's no bringing her back. Uh, and, uh, you know, and then he's he's stumbled upon by uh, Sypha and, you know, uh, Trevor. And, you know, it's like he's... He he kinda like pulls his head out of his ass a little bit. He's like, All right, well, you know, dad's on a war path. I kinda gotta do something about it. And you know, it's like he ultimately ends up having to fight his father and he ultimately has to, you know, end up killing him. Uh you know, he's a, he's this tragic hero. As are many of the people on this bracket. <laughs> and uh <laughs> But, you know, it's like you know, one of the scenes that like really stood out to me in that anime is like when he's fighting his dad and they're he's slamming him all throughout the whole entire castle, just wrecking shit, beating the fuck out of Alucard. And then all of a sudden he slams him into his bedroom 
and you know like dracula has this moment of clarity and he's like he looks he's like oh my god it's like my son my baby he's like it's like what am i doing you know and it's like and of course you know they they kill vlad and it's like it's sad because like you know you know his father has this moment of clarity but like he knows that like you know it's like this has to end that's his opportunity yeah and uh you know, it's like, and then on top of that, I was like, okay, well, it's like, I had this meaning for, like, a moment, you know, so, like, stop dad. It's like, what do I got now? So, like, you know, the, the next part of his character is just, like, discovering, it's like, what the fuck do I do with myself? <laughs> you know, it's like, I got yeah. this giant castle, I got this Belmont warehouse, um, you know, it's like, I, the only two people that I know and semi get along with are going on a journey to like take out the rest of the big bads in the countryside. I'm all alone. I am a half vampire, half human. And it, it, it's like, it shows like, even though he's half vampire, he's still very human. Like he's lonely. He misses, you know, his friends, uh, he's you know, going he has crazy. <laughs> he has little puppets of them. He drinks a lot of wine, a lot of wine. <laughs> and you know it's like and through it you know it's like he gets betrayed too by like the first like two people that he like tries to trust um you know but like ultimately you know he gets through it and, you know he's reunited with sypha and uh trevor um he meets like this other like badass lady who's like trying to protect the village you know it's like and it's just like a it's a process of a character like trying to find meaning in his life after you know it's like he had this purpose and now it's done it's like, what do I do with myself? And, you know, it's like, ultimately, you know, they help, you know, kill death. And, you know, and then he becomes like, you know, this kind of like, like he takes on this village and, uh, you know, it's like, he it's, shares it's cool. His it's like, wealth. Yeah, he, share, he shares his wealth, his knowledge. And, you know, he's like, he passes on all this shit, like to the next generation to like, hopefully this shit doesn't happen again. Uh, and it's just... To me, like, Elicard was, like, literally just, like, this, like, he comes from such, like, a medium of, like, a, like the video game, like, literally, like, Castlevania 3, it's like, if you didn't read the booklet, you didn't know who the fuck Alucard was. It was like, so you just find characters throughout the journey, uh, and, you know, and then Symphony of the Night came out, and I still didn't know who the fuck he was, but, like, there's a little <laughs> bit more of a story back there, you know, you get a little bit of a backdrop. And they drop little hints of like, oh, you helped my ancestors fight, you know, Dracula. Uh, but like, even with like Symphony of the Night, I was, you know, like instantly enthralled with this idea of like, you know, Dracula had a kid. Uh, you know, it was like, and it's like, half it was, human. Like, the thing that's always fascinated me about like Castlevania is just like, it's like, there's just, they, they give you so much with so little. Uh, you know, like, I, I can still play symphony of the night to this day and like i love the way like the castle was portrayed uh you know just like i don't know man so like i bought that game like eight times in like eight different mediums <laughs> and like like I, like I fucking love this character um you know it's like and I'm, i was so happy like that he was given so much more than just those two games like of a character uh you know it's like it was flushed out and i feel like they did a really good job of you know portraying this character uh you know this this half vampire like individual growing up in them you know in this fucked up world and uh i don't know man it's fucking castlevania's 
fucking lit, bro. It's like the only thing Konami's done right in the past few years. So, <laughs> and that, and, oh yeah, I just noticed that. You know, it's like we're we're dealing with two uh, Konami IPs here. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, come on, swinging. <laughs> A uh, boss too. <laughs> yeah, you know we we struggled with 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 the boss fight. You know her story and how tragic that ends. Uh, and then Big Boss has to has to live on with that. You know he has to kill the 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 only person he loves in the world, and then he's celebrated for it. Uh, even though he knows it was. Not the wrong thing to do, but it's it definitely wasn't the right thing. And uh, he's kind of driven by that to become, you know, kind of a a terrible villain towards the end. Um, but it's interesting just how how strong he mm-hmm. he sticks uh, sticks to his guns, and he's he, after after that betrayal, he's he's wanting to just do the opposite of what the U S government and military want are and, and symbolize. Yeah. And he just wants to become something not just pure, just the, a soldier. If you're a soldier, you're a soldier and you can come here and do what you, what you feel like you need to do. You're not just going to be gobbled up and spit out by this system. Like it has over and over again. You can come here and, and be part of a family and still, you know, have a purpose. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of, it, it's, it's tragic as well, you know, because he has, he's eventually killed by his own son. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. He's fucking has to go through, he goes through huge hu- hoops uh, to convince the world that he's dead, and, <laughs> and does some very <laughs> elaborate uh, things to convince you know, like literally transplanting his face onto someone else and convincing this person that he is him. <laughs> if that makes sense, full uh, circle, man. Metal Gear is fucking crazy uh, and wonderful, nuts. great. Uh, uh, and yeah, big big boss is uh, just a, just awesome. I feel so many of these matchups have been serendipitous in a way. Like Elkard, yeah. his biggest like you know defining trait is that he has to kill his father, Dracula. Big boss is kind of one of his most defining traits is he had to kill his let's call her his mother, like the boss. Yeah, you know, yeah, like his his father figure whatever you want to say like and then Matricide, yes his son Matricide. right yeah his <laughs> his clone his son like has to kill him like it's just it's so wild how these matchups kind of fell into place in in a lot of ways um yeah. and uh, uh i just to speak on um I've got much longer relationship with big boss i played all the metal gear games and everything so i feel like i I know him pretty well. I was not never played a Castlevania and then watched the the show, watched the the anime on Netflix and like had no previous relationship to Alucard. But um 
just real cool. Like, just, just a, like yeah. blew me away in terms of like, man, uh, if I could force myself to sit down and play like Symphony of the Night or something, like, good, I would just want to do it to to be with this character more often, and hopefully, like, because he's a a vampire, we'll get to see him in uh, future Castlevania things. Um, we'll see. I know they're doing time time stuff, uh, time pushing time forward so we'll see um, but very very early in the machine of nonsense uh life we've had discussions about um video game portrayals in other medias like movies and tv shows and granted i never played castlevania but just to know that it was based on a video game it's a masterpiece it's so mm-hmm. good it's i loved it yeah coming coming from an like we grew up in a generation where like they just <laughs> no matter how many times you threw the fucking dart at the board for video bad. game mediums going into like movies or TV or whatever uh like it never stuck like never was good no and um uh, yeah no you make a really good point like that's uh it's like and they they do plan on making a metal gear movie um uh, sure that's, that's a tall fucking order for that like series though like it's 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 fucking i mean it's hideo kojima like i i think this like the reason i love those games so much is because like i think they could only be told the stories could only be told in that kind of a medium like you're talking like 20 plus hours of like just you know, it's like it's a, these are very story driven games. Like, uh, yeah, you sneak, you run, you fight a boss here and there, but like, you know, I play those games for like the fucking the madness that is Kojima's like headcanon that is <laughs> the world and like politics and and he does it so well. Um, I don't know if you can do that in two and a half hours. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's it would be a tall fucking order. Maybe, maybe they can do like Metal Gear, <laughs> like the first one <laughs> for the MSX. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, like I love both of these characters. Um, like absolutely. Me too. I want I wanted to step up for Big Boss a little bit. So I know Eric. He always give the ideas like he goes off the rails. Uh, he's you know he becomes a villain. But like those first like couple Metal Gear games, like regardless of how like simple they are um, and even for the time that they were made there you know it's like he was doing this thing that was like never done before and like in the medium of video games and uh but like you know it's like in like all the bosses you fight in those early games uh, especially uh, metal gear 2 like they they tell you like why they're doing what they're doing like their countries had betrayed them they left them for dead after you know the first game uh you know, uh, not Zanzibar land. Uh, what is it? Uh, what, what's outer heaven, what, outer heaven. Yeah. When outer heaven gets blown up and like, you know, it's like, and snake is like unaware of like any of this shit happening. Like the government came in and they tried to clean house. And like a lot of those people, like even like the refugees that you had originally want to go in and save were like left for dead by their own countries and big boss, you know, scooped up 
and he took these people in and he gave them a place and he gave them a meaning like when they're like the same thing that happened to big boss and you know metal gear solid 3 like happened to these people though like he had like all the right intentions in the world of like just trying to create like you know this like i guess society zanzibar land and fun little fact zanzibar land celebrates uh united states uh thanksgiving (laughs) (laughs) okay sure but uh so uh, big boss is the winner yeah but uh (laughs) i mean (laughs) (laughs) but no it's like he's a very tragic character uh and he goes off the rails but like i mean just like i said everybody else on this list pretty much is like it seemed like a lot of us are drawn to that kind of character because you know, it's 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 more realistic. You know, who who's without their flaws? Who's you know who's perfect in any Life's regard? Life's hard, man. Life's hard, man. Like, <laughs> yo, know, speaking of which, I I watched the first three episodes of Meraviz Town. Oh, oh my nice. god, it's <laughs> <laughs> good, I had, man. I, I had to take a break yesterday. I was like, oh my yeah. god, I was like, like it was this, rough. Well, I mean, it's heavy, and it deals right, with a lot. right. That's yeah. what I mean. It's rough well, and it material. deals with a lot of real, like real shit um yeah you know shit that you know like i see (laughs) but uh but uh no man it's like i love both of these characters i used to love konami (laughs) (laughs) i want to say in regards to or in defense of big boss on a on just a level of complexity and, and i think mike mentioned it and probably tomas did as well like the story in Metal Gear is ridiculous, you know? It's so twisty-turny and everything else. But, like, Big Boss is kind of in the center of it at all times. Oh, yeah. So he is, compared to, oh, Vampire Hamlet, which is, you know, like, Alucard, um, definitely Big Boss has a lot more complexity to to his character and just his, his story arc and, and everything else. Like, regardless of, of the just ridiculous nature of the metal gear story it is it is uniquely complex in that sense um it's one of those we just get to see so much more of big boss or even just like the events around big boss than we ever do with alucard and i did want to mention one other thing about uh, for big bosses um you know battle here um he never gives up to the best recollection like he he sticks to his guns and he you know i i find it kind of a flawed mentality and and i feel like he makes some mistakes but he sticks to it he keeps trying to to save the people that he feels need saving and you know to fight the governments and 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 to reshape the world in the way that he he feels it should be the way that you know the boss would have wanted alucard at multiple points does kind of seem to give up like he doesn't like he loses his direction and kind of needs other people to uh push him in a direction uh, one way or another um so you know i guess you could see that either way but i i I find that to be a positive in in big boss's favor i don't think other side of that is you know wrong uh you know both can drive a narrative and in both like good directions. Uh, uh, the one thing I want to say about 
the twistiness of Metal Gear Solid and Metal Gear is that they definitely circled that square. You kill Big Boss in the first two games, and <laughs> Metal Gear Solid Five <laughs> finally <laughs> rectified that that flaw in the timeline. Sure <laughs> they did. Sure <laughs> they did. <laughs> Kojima knew it all before he finished the game. You knew it. Yeah, I think him and George Lucas uh, sat down and had many uh, many conversations. <laughs> Yo, punish Snake. That was it, man. Metal Gear Solid Five was really fun to play. Okay, absolutely was. I just loved how it felt to run in that game. <laughs> like, Everything felt great. The, the, Everything. the camera movement when you run, I felt like I was hitting the ground. Fuck riding horses. <laughs> So this one's this one's close in in my mind. I, I does anyone have any before we get to to voting any any other points that we haven't gotten to? Back forward, half circle back, forward square, soul steel. Just took all of your guys' lives. <laughs> I don't know that move yeah, in Middle Gear, but I'll try it. I guess I don't. Know. <laughs> Um. So yeah, I I think I convinced myself that I want to go uh Big Boss on this one. I don't even know if I like Big Boss, but I just yeah, I like I that him. you guys like Big you Boss. You love him. You love that series. <laughs> I love the series. I do. I love Metal Gear. Um, I I really um, do. But I don't know that I like Big Boss. But I don't know. This is so hard. Alucard's my character, so I'm obviously picking him. Um, I already lost the boss. Oh, I'm. This this is so far. This is the hardest one for me. Um, and it, it sucked so bad for me that like Mike and I had to be on the opposite side of brackets like twice for characters <laughs> that I loved, <laughs> and that he loves too. It's like it was so yeah. hard. Like I had to look across the playground at you and like disdain when you had a fight against the boss. <laughs> Well, I love Alucard, so. Alucard. I am voting for Alucard. He's got a cool-ass weapon, too. I don't think we really mm. talked about his weapon. It's the Alucard sword. Man, are we, we, we're at a tie here, huh? We are. You're going uh, Big Boss, Mike? This character. Oh, he doesn't have I think, to go. I think, I think Big Boss just has more going on so far. I'd, I'd love to see more of Alucard. I hope he gets to team up with Richter and whatever uh the next Castlevania thing is. That's the thing about Alucard is he's kind of like a mortal, so he can just, you know, <laughs> Castlevania yeah. jumps timelines a lot, and he's able to to, to be to be a part of that. Um, Sounds like a cool thing. Man, uh, so maybe that's a good point in, like, we've really... kind of seen Big Boss fully. I, I don't think I want to see any more Big Boss. Although, I, I, I don't know, I want more Metal Gear. I don't know. I don't know. I'm running into myself in circles here. Yeah. <laughs> always, uh, I think this one falls on Eric. Flip a coin. Man, I don't know if we what. What do we do? Do we post this one on on the Facebook oh. page or something? Yeah, and, we could do that. That's, that's kind of fun. That too. All right. I think that would be fun. Let's do that. Let's do that. Alucard yeah. versus uh, versus Big Boss will be left up to the fans. I like that. I, like I can it. live with that. Done deal. So yeah. that leads us to our mm-hmm. next matchup. That's fun. I, I like that idea. Um, 
Tony Stark from the MCU versus Nathan Drake from the Uncharted series. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Yeah, um, man, we got we got some slam fest. This is the next. This is the next bracket, by the next this part. This is like, exactly. Yes. This was the Tony Stark section, the Tony Stark bracket. So he was a one seed. Um, Nathan Drake beat Hank Scorpio in the first round, I think, by a narrow uh, margin. <laughs> that was a fun, fun uh, fight there. And and Tony Stark, you know, came up against Amy Dunn, and uh, that was a that was a fun conversation too, because because yep. Amy Amy something. Yeah, Tony. Uh, I think Tony was also a double up, right? Me and me and Mike both went Tony yeah. Stark. I had yeah. Tony. Oh God, did you everyone did have Tony? I mean, you're you're Nathan Drake. Up, uh... Oh well, that makes sense. I that makes sense. Yeah. I'm pretty. Sure I just appreciate wanted... Tony. <laughs> They're right. both excellent characters. Well, Kayla, did you, did you want to start on Tony? I think I had both Tony and Nate in my. <laughs> 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 Tony, Tony Stark is Eric and I talk about Tony Stark a lot, actually. Oh, that's <laughs> and out of the bag. I I think that, and I probably already said this in his first round. Like T- Tony's superpower is just that he's fucking brave. Like, sure, he's got some some serious armor that he wears now that he made with his genius mind and all his money, but he's just like. He's got swagger. He goes up to those aliens and is like, Earth is closed today. You you can't come. Nah. <laughs> like, he just he just holds his hand up and and is a leader. Questionable at times, but choices aren't always easy. Um he's scared. He loves he loves these people now where he was a very unattached person. He he has developed relationships with all of these people and he doesn't want to outwardly let everybody know that he cares about them but he does he does everything for the people around him yeah tony is throughout the whole infinity saga uh it's just so fun to see hit that that journey that he takes from being you know Playboy billionaire doesn't give a fuck about anything to, you know, having what he thought was everything. And then really at the end, knowing like, okay, this, this group of people, this family that I've made, this Mm -hmm. is what really matters. And I have to give it up for, for, you know, matters enough to, to save everything you know and it, up everything to save everything right right it's and i i think like in the 10 years whatever from now you know like in an oscar montage there's gonna be tony stark moments in that kind of thing you know like in yeah. a, it's just it's just movies man like it's movie magic what they it did with, with tony stark and uh he's he's just fantastic and i'm like we talked about quentin tarantino earlier writing the perfect oh yeah characters for certain actors this obviously didn't necessarily happen that way because iron man is existed long before yeah robert downey jr but robert downey jr is like 
the perfect person to play Tony Stark. It's like so well done. Yeah, almost Tom Cruise. Like that was the yeah. studio's initial oh, God, thought was Tom Cruise oh. and oh, no, and his baby. buddy John Favreau like fought for him. Like he said, like no, it's got to be, it's got to be Robert Downey Jr. Like it, it has to be. And and that yeah. changed fucking cinema history. Like get out of here. I, I don't want to be a part of the Tom Cruise <laughs> Tony Stark. No, timeline. I do not. I would not <laughs> like, like that. The Marvel I, I Cruise universe. Yeah, I, no. I, I don't want to chrono cross into that dimension, bro. <laughs> I don't know how much it should factor in, but just where Robert Downey Jr. was. Absolutely. In I his career it's... at the time. And then just to be America, like the dark, like become a darling, like a, an icon <laughs> just from this character and how well uh, he pulled it off. And, Long, like I and I said it before in in earlier arguments for him, uh, just launching the most successful thing ever yeah. <laughs> in in the MCU as a whole. Uh, he's just the he's in a in a franchise just full of characters, and I know we brought that up too with Parks and Rec and and yeah. things that are just great. He still rises above all of them. I think. I think he has the best lines. He, he, he his his relationship with with Peter is so great. His his relationship with Cap is it. There's there's a full arc there. There's a full life there almost. You know, in just a dozen movies or whatever that he's not always a main character in, but. Uh, He's, you know, strewn in throughout and he's always important in some way. There, there's always something there uh, that he's a, that he's a part of. And he's he pull, he's either making terrible, huge decisions in like Ultron yep. or the, the, the most, uh, you know, selfless decision ever in, in, in Endgame. He's he's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning. Yeah. And he is the end, like it literally like full circles on itself with that, uh, you know, with that story arc. Uh, yeah. Like and you, you mentioned it a little bit, like Robert Downey Jr. Uh, you know, he, he came off of like, I mean, it's, he's, he's an alcoholic. Tony. Stark. It was a risk for them Tony, to pick him. Tony Stark in the comics was an alcoholic. Uh, a lot of the main, a lot of the main storylines were like people like trying to like frame him, like to say like, "Oh, Tony's off the wagon again" to try to like overthrow his company and shit. Um, you know, and like it's such a Cinderella story for like Robert Downey Jr. in the sense that like he was a gamble, he was a risk. Uh, you know, it's like just like anybody in recovery. You know, it's like it's a huge fucking gamble. Um, because you know all it takes is just one slip up and. Marvel Cinematic Universe fucking falls through because all of a sudden you're replacing this major character. Um, and it, God, he's just fucking, like, that whole entire, like, the MCU, man, it, it's just not the same without him. Uh, you know, it's, it's like fucking, and like, and of all people, Iron Man, you built this fucking universe and the first brick you set was Iron Man of all the superheroes in like right. Marvel comics. 
you know, they tried it with fucking Spider-Man. Sony, Sony had many a crack at like creating something glorious, uh, you know, and like Spider-Man is like the fucking like wonder boy of like Marvel comics. Like everybody fucking knows him. Everybody fucking loves him. I skipped eighth grade to go see the first Spider-Man movie. Like uh, it was the entire grade. grade. Like he just yeah. gave yeah. up on yeah. eighth grade. It was... Eighth grade ditch day. I remember taking mad bong riffs before going to the movie theater. <laughs> and, um, but now I was like, like an Iron Man of all fucking like heroes. And it's it's so funny because like this it, it affected the whole entire like writing of like Marvel too like the, there's many like there's universes in Marvel spoiler alert you know we just got that with Loki <laughs> and uh, but there's one specifically based off of like the Marvel Cinematic Universe like and like all the stories that come out of it are based off of those characters uh, to help control the flow of like comics and they just sell well because people want to see those characters even like in a comic book medium. Um, it's it's impressive what they've done, and uh, I feel like they like fucking Iron Man, Robert Downey. It's like uh, I feel like we're arguing for Robert Downey Jr. here sometimes too, but <laughs> but like Tony Stark's the fucking man, dude. Like, and he's just a dude. Like he's he is this guy in a suit amongst gods, juggernauts, uh, you know, people with superpowers, tyrannical space tyrants. That like can bleep out existence in a single snap, like to the point where like he stopped it all, man. It's like that scene where like he's sitting there with the fucking, you know, he's ready to do that it. That scene right know? there in the picture of the bracket. <laughs> yeah, it's like holy fuck, man. It's like, and it, it was such. It was like the biggest payoff in cinematic history, not just Marvel cinematic, you know, history, but like nobody. Like in cinema, nothing had ever done that. That was the culmination of like over a decade's worth of work, and it fucking paid off. It was like the biggest money shot. Boom. Um, yeah. To me, there's no argument here. I'm sorry, Eric. <laughs> no, so so I'll, I I think Nate's gonna get steamrolled here, and I and and honestly, I love Nate, but I think Nate's it's cool, the right pick. Like I think it's yeah. it's it's. I, I want to speak on Nate just for a second, just to give him his due. Absolutely. Just because yeah, he beat absolutely. Hank Scorpio in in the first round, um, <laughs> it it is ironic once again. Just like I said, it's kind of serendipitous how this this bracket's gone. Is is that Peter Parker? Um, you know, Tom Holland is going to play Nathan Drake, right, in the Uncharted mm-hmm. movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the the son of of uh, Iron Man. You know, yeah. If that movie ever <laughs> comes like, out, I think that's just another little irony of of this whole thing. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Nate's just so fun to play as. Like, he's probably my favorite protagonist to play a video game as, just with his little quips and like. Kayla said it, uh, me and her use that line all the time, but like, what is Tony Stark's superpower? Superpower? It's bravery. And that's, that's Nate's superpower too. Like, despite the odds, whatever, like despite how high up he is on a mountain or some ancient ruin or something, he's going to make that leap. He's going to jump. He's going to jump and shoot a gun and somehow land in a plane and, you know, just like (laughs) defy death at, at every turn and, and do it all over again in the next game. Like he's, 
everyone's been asking for a good Indiana Jones game for 30 yeah. years or something, and that's what Nathan Drake is. He's Indiana Jones, he's James Bond, he's like all of those characters in in one one package with um hilarious like humor. Like I I think those games are hilarious him and him and Sully going back and forth and and Nate's a lot of fun and I hope Tom Holland can uh do something with that. But all that being said, I mean Nate just does not have the impact that that Tony Stark does. I mean we we yeah. we've said it. Like it's We love Nate, but Yeah. yeah. It's not fair. Yeah, <laughs> Uncharted Four specifically is just such a, f- just a fun experience. Oh, yeah. Really, you you really get and I, Eric, I don't know, maybe you'll disagree, but one through three, Nate really is just kind of an indie stand-in almost. You know, would you say? Yeah, yeah, I think. Uh, compared to four, definitely compared to four. Right, like, there's and so four, much heart in four. Four really delves into to Nate, like his relationship with Elena, his wife, his relationship to this this life that he doesn't want to give up. Like he gave it up for a bit, you know, he's got a nine to five and he's it just keeps calling back to him. He just wants to find this, you know, like a tread, like something great, you know. And Goku, man. He's, he's pulled in by his brother. He 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 wants to be done, but then yeah, then his brother shows up, and it's gonna save his brother. Right, it's just and an excuse though, like right, it right. Yeah. Yeah. Out. <laughs> It's a, and then you you get this huge payoff with the epilogue, and you see that he's raised this family, and they he they found a middle ground of how to to live that life of exploration and wonder, and still. Uh, you know, have that safe home life too. Not not living in in, in danger, Alex. and it's a it's a really good payoff too. But not compared to to the Infinity War and and, and Tony's story. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just what another one of those. It's a tough draw. Anyone who is going to come up against Tony Stark, um, yeah. like Amy, like Nate, now. That's a tough draw, you know. It's gonna be. I can't, in good conscience, like say that Nathan Drake means as much to like me over the last ten years as Tony Stark did. Like, yeah, the that Tony Stark. Yeah, and and shout out to Nolan North for creating, you know, oh, bringing yeah. a voice to such an iconic character and really cementing himself as one of the voice actors. Oh God, that we've yeah. Been, so. He's great. He so many video game characters to life. Like he's he's done so much for that medium. Like you know the argument of whether video games can be art. I don't think it's an argument anymore. You know. No, not it anymore. Hasn't, hasn't been for a while, but some people wanted to keep trying to fight that. that shit. Yeah, I, fuck you, Roger Ebert. Yeah. <laughs> Play Shadow of the Colossus. <laughs> video games still alive, Roger Ebert. It's fucking dead. Jack and mate. (laughs) Okay. Moving along. Moving along. Yeah, Tony. Tony Stark over Nathan Drake. Tony Stark coming into round three. All right, so our next matchup is Gollum from The Lord of the Rings versus The Joker. 
from the Christopher Nolan Batman universe, the Heath Ledger version mm-hmm. of the Joker. Um, I uh, Gollum was uh, Ryan's pick, and I I nominated the Joker. Um, I can speak on both. I've both read and watched all of uh, the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Um, I think Gollum is a super central character to those stories. Some of the best stories that have ever been written uh, are uh, some of my favorite movies of all time. Never really dug Gollum himself. Um, Really impressed with Gollum on screen, like the CGI and the Mm -hmm. fact that like that character, at least in, in a movie... Um, the motion capture kind of was, we're talking 10 years, 20 years ago at this point, um, still really holds up. I mean, it still really looks great and it kind of revolutionized motion capture in and became like Andy Serkis, uh, the man who, who plays Gollum or does the motion capture, like became the name in in that in like a cgi character and he's he's done so many and it all started with with Gollum. um yeah we wouldn't have the nathan drakes and the joels and in games now without what andy circus did for for Gollum yeah. for sure yeah, okay. yeah and, he, and then he winds up in the mcu you know we've talked so much about the <laughs> yeah. mcu and he's he's a major player well, in I've, some of those stories everything Kirkus, winds up in the mcu <laughs> <laughs> so i think Gollum needs his due as like just an important he's an important literary character and he's you know those movies are just taken pretty pretty much straight from from the books um so he's an immensely important character like in multiple ways but the joker the joker (laughs) is an important character too (laughs) right uh and 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 specifically the portrayal by heath ledger like i feel like that's the joker that's the one right like i mean that's the joker it's one of the ones but it now now I I love Mark Hamill's Joker, but but Heath's is 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 the the modern uh, take on that villain for sure. He's not, you know, just the clown prince. Yeah, trying to take out Batman at any cost. He's something something you know something more than that for sure. Right. He definitely uh, cranked up the grittiness of the character in the comics as well. Yeah, the the notion of the Joker is just chaos incarnate, I think is it starts with that Heath Ledger and ends with it too. Like, I don't know. Cinematic wise, yeah. Yeah, and it's like such so many big ideas and such a big like influence on that character from from nothing like we don't know any we never get his backstory there's no origin we don't really know who this joker is in a lot of ways that we do know the other other ones we've get we've gotten their backstory and everything else and i don't think this joker comes from the same place as as the others um so I think the mis- the mystery around him, I've I've seen a lot of fan theories and stuff like, oh, he was uh, 
uh, a soldier from like Iraq or Afghanistan who, you know, has like severe PTSD and yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah, that's believable, but he could also not be that whatsoever, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, and, at the time, those were very hot button topics as well. So. Yeah. So, I mean, I think once again, this is like a, a, a Nate versus a Tony where like they're both cool characters, but Tony's got to win, right? Like the Joker's got to win this matchup, I think. It was just such a like it was such a good movie and such an excellent performance. Uh, I like the first part of the bracket when we we're talking about these characters. We mentioned so many different like scenes that just stood out. It's a Batman movie, but you're like you're watching it for the Joker. You're watching it for Heath Ledger's, yeah. uh, you know, portrayal. I, uh, I still like that movie the Christian Bale Batman, though. I do like yeah, that. The, ba- the Bat Bale was good. Don't get me wrong. It's like I, let's just put it this way: I saw Batman Begins in theaters three times. I saw Dark Knight <laughs> like six times in theaters. <laughs> That's twice as many. Yeah. Shit. Uh, Anybody who wanted to see this movie, like for the first time, or like saying, "Oh yeah, we're gonna go see it," I jumped on board because like the experience was just that good, and I wanted to experience other people's first experiences with it as well. Because it, and it and it never got boring. It never got old. I saw this at you know midnight release first. You know when it first came I'd out. I still watch and, it today. Yeah, like if they did another like midnight like showing of this, I would do that. Even though like. I'm older now and staying up past midnight kind of sucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was, and like, I feel like, you know, uh, to me, that was like prime time cinematic experience. Like, that was back, like, when it fucking mattered when you saw it in theaters. Uh, you know, now in a COVID world, uh, like, I do enjoy the convenience of just paying the entry fee on a streaming service or if, you know, if you got HBO, if you got the deal with HBO Max, holla at us, uh, sponsor us, please. <laughs> I don't got to pay anything extra. I just get to watch it. <laughs> or Christopher Nolan. Also, if you want to throw us a couple of bucks, uh, Mr. Nolan, yeah. I'd, I'd appreciate it. Uh, yes. But, uh, he is not about the direct to, to TV thing, though. No, this isn't no. working together. Which, whichever side you lean to, whoever wants to give us money, we love you. We'll we'll lean harder to whichever side pays us. <laughs> I'm not afraid to sell out for this podcast. <laughs> but I don't think we're leaning here. This is a clean Joker yeah. sweep, right? Clean break. It's great Joker. Well, Gollum, you you put up a good fight. You got into the second round, but you know Ooh. the Joker's the Joker. Joker uh, versus Tony. Yeah. Oh, next. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> next matchup, we've got Ben Wyatt from Parks and Rec versus Phil Dunphy <laughs> from yeah, Modern Family. Oh, the uh, this is uh, this this is this is a lot. This one's a lot for me. Um, Battle of the Dads. What up? Ben Wyatt was uh, was a Tomas, right? Yes, I'm. I went, I went with the Dark Horse and, and <laughs> a and an ensemble cast of so many great characters. I chose a Ben Wyatt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's like I think I said it when I uh, first argued him. He's, you know, 
use the peanut butter to Leslie's jelly, uh, or the waffle to her uh, whipped cream, <laughs> as I think Kayla mentioned. Yeah. Um, I just feel like so much of like Leslie's story is pushed by having him uh, at her side. Um, I love his little triumphant moments too. Uh, he's a man who's so dedicated to his work. Uh, he's he's very much like Leslie in the regards to the sense that like he doesn't know how to give himself anything good either. Uh, and they, you know, they help each other, you know, fight for each other, uh, to the point where like, he would do anything for, you know, Leslie, uh, you know, it's like the moments where he quits his job to, you know, support her in every capacity that he can. He does his best to try to run her, uh, political campaign because he believes in everything that she does and that she stands for. Uh, you know, it's like his love is unwavering. Um, you know, you know, one of the moments that Parks and one of the many moments that Parks and Rec made me cry was, you know, when they buy the home and he proposes to her in there. Um, when he's, you know, the moments where he's like, I'm willing to give up everything. It's like, I can't stay away from you. You know, it's like, you know, fuck, fuck the bureaucracy. It's like, I'm your man. And then there's also just all the goofy parts. Like, uh, I love the cones of Dunshire. Uh, one of my favorite parts is when he first quits his job and, like, he goes into, like, trying to make claymation <laughs> or, like, try to find himself. And he, he, like, plays, like, the, like, three-second clip of claymation. There's gotta be <laughs> but, more. He's like, that's it? It's like, no, no, you don't understand. I worked on that for weeks. <laughs> so like, good. He's like, how did you know I was depressed? I didn't even know. Uh, the, lo the locale calzone zone uh, I still say that every time I see a calzone yep. <laughs> my girlfriend orders calzones from this like Italian restaurant called Rufino's and every time she orders one I'm like yo it's the locale calzone zone uh, also we'll take sponsors of uh, calzone companies as well please. absolutely uh, totally I resonate. I, do. I resonate a lot with Ben Wyatt's quirkiness, uh, his neuroticism, his, you know, uh, you know, it's like. He's like, anxious. His, his anxiety, his uncertainty, yet still having like the courage to push through. And a lot of that's because he has Leslie at his side as well. Um, but, you know, it's like I can relate to a lot of those emotions, too, uh, you know. I don't want to say Ben Wyatt's my spirit animal, but like if I had to choose like one character that I really, really latched onto. And I originally thought it was Chris Traeger because, you know, I was, I was an athletic fanatic when I first started watching this show. Um, and you know, that, and I just loved, uh, you know, one of my favorite quotes from Chris Traeger was like, my goal is to run to the moon. <laughs> but, uh, I, I just felt like I can relate to him the most. Um, I, I love his character. He's wholesome. He's charming. He's flawed. Uh, but you know, he's uh, like, got his quirky side. You yeah, know. he's quirky. Uh, I love. I love how he continuously turns down the uh, accounting firm, <laughs> <laughs> but then he eventually, you know, gifts them the cones of Dunshire. <laughs> it's like a parting gift. There's just so many moments that I enjoy. It's like I feel like he has a lot of good moments in the show. And I, love I always loved how how Ben was kind of the audience in the show as well, because he's the only one that can really see like, man, these people are ridiculous here. Yeah. Like these 
everyone that lives in this town is just such a caricature of of the American citizen. <laughs> and like, well, like, and uh, we grew I up in Indiana. You can see it. I, I grew up in Indiana, and the show does a very good job at portraying <laughs> like some parts of Indiana. And like yeah, now, maybe. now, now I live in Florida, and oh god, <laughs> it's like just see it so like you mentioned it does such a good job at like portraying like certain parts of like you know the american populace and like holy shit if, if i don't got that in droves in this <laughs> phil was uh phil was yours right kayla yes phil was my pick phil is Dumping. my 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 i'm gonna call him my favorite live action tv dad <laughs> um Phil, I just want to be around Phil. I just want to spend time with him. He He's happy. He's cheerful. He's a cheerleader. He's a magician. He just cares so, so much. He's, uh, we talked about Phil previously, and then Eric remembered that he's also, like, uh, uh, a dirt ball. He, like, <laughs> makes a lot of sex innuendos and likes to have his uh, alter ego, Clive Bixby, to, like, <laughs> woo his woman. And he's just such a fun, fun character. He He's a joy when he comes onto the screen. I, I enjoy Phil Dunphy. I'm so happy you, you said it that way because what I was going to say about Phil, uh, a, a lot of like how Tomas said, like he sees himself in, in Ben. I see, at least I want to be Phil. In If I don't see myself in Phil, I, I want to be him. He's just a clown. Like he just wants to make people laugh and like feel good. And and like you said, yeah, he's got these little like sex innuendos and stuff. And anyone, anyone who knows me uh, knows, you know... <laughs> Got a little bit of that, but like I, I think one of the moments in in Modern Family that I love so much about Phil is he's trying to like build this treehouse, and he just wants to be seen. There's so many instances of of this. He wants to be seen as like like a man, like a, a, a you know whatever uh, someone who could build a treehouse by himself. And there's so many instances of that where, where Phil's trying to prove himself in that way, and. I just felt so seen there because he's he just can't like he's not he's not a handy dude <laughs> like he's just he he fails miserably but he makes like a friend doing it he's like having a conversation with his like n- new neighbor and stuff like hey man yeah I don't know what I'm doing I'm just I'm just doing this thing and I just <laughs> I felt so like seen in that like because that would be me that would totally be me just up in a tree not knowing what the fuck I'm doing um but like trying to make the best of it. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> I'd probably be much more angry than Phil, <laughs> to tell you the truth. Yeah, but because Phil rarely gets mad, and when he does, it's hilarious in in nature. Uh, he he does. He just wants to be liked. He's always trying to get like Jay to like him. But then there are times where he's like, Nah, Jay's Jay's a dick, and he's <laughs> wrong, and I'm gonna tell him he's wrong. Like he can't treat people that way. He I just love Phil. This is like battle of like the two regular nice dudes. <laughs> yeah, they're both right. they're both just dorks, you know, right. and they're not afraid <laughs> to just be dorks. Right, and, and I love them. 
<laughs> it's the best. Oh, that's good. They're unafraid to be dorks. I, I think you're 100%. I think that's right. why I gravitate. Like, was, uh, I like Phil Dunphy also. Like, like I gravitate towards characters like this because they make me feel more comfortable to just, like, be I like one that's, like, portrayed in popular media. Yeah, yeah I think that's absolutely. the idea. Yeah, I yeah. think that's definitely the idea in both characters. Like, they're... They're human in that sense. Like, yeah, maybe a little outrageous, a little off the wall, um, heightened, but like, still, you can see yourself in those characters. Like, like we said, we have so. Yeah, like being able to wear your heart on your sleeve. Both of them kind of altered, uh, maybe Phil more so, but just the idea of the TV dad. It's not like blue collar, you know, work your nine to five, come home, you know. Al Bundy type, Homer Simpson, Archie it's Booker. Type. So funny because you know <laughs> the guy. The old archetype is in Modern Family. Yeah, yes. it's like the guy right, he's yeah, trying yeah, to yeah. please and you know impress is literally Al Bundy. <laughs> he, he plays a pretty you know old school thought harsh character in Modern Family as well. But also yeah. to bring up like he's the comparison too. to TV dads, like. A lot of TV dads are like violently dumb. Like yeah. they're just like yeah. dumb. I yeah. they're funny, sure, but Phil is just so wholesome. He's just like you. You wish love my dad, you know, uh, respect on that. But God, you just want Phil to be around you. Yeah. You want Phil to be your dad. I understand. I didn't want to say it. <laughs> no, I I heard it. I got through the. <laughs> Just want him to nice. it's See, like I wish nice... Phil was your dad because then I wouldn't have to play the Phil role of like not knowing Aww. how to use tools. <laughs> I think it's a good commentary of like, um, you know, just how not not just TV dads in general, but like the you know generational like change to the ideas. Like, I am nowhere near as handy as my father was. My father built an addition onto the side of his house. Uh, he, never took his car in to get the oil changed or change brakes or tires. I do know how to do most of the car stuff because of him, but uh like I just you know, it's like you know, and then you got, you know, uh Phil and Ben who are like they're not that dude. Um even to the point where like they they do have counterparts like to their characters in the show. Like, you know, you got you know, uh Fucking Ron Swanson, you know, he's like, he's the everyman. He can do everything. He doesn't need anybody's help. Um, I don't pay taxes yeah. on an oil change. Yeah. It's, <laughs> but like, and then you have these, you know, softer characters. Uh, not necessarily soft. They're just like, they're different. Uh, but that's okay. And, uh, you know, I think that's a huge part of what these shows convey. It's like, you know, it's like, you don't have to be any one archetype of like, you know, what society may or may deem acceptable or yeah. may or may not. Uh, this is a hard one. Uh, I picked Ben, so I'm picking Ben. But like, I like both of these characters a lot. Right. Uh, I would take I would take Brilliant. either one of them to the dance. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so. 
It is yeah. a tough one. I'm going. I'm going. Phil. Uh, he beat my Adrian Vite in first round, so it's kind of <laughs> like uh, you know, if the, if the guy who beats your character goes all the way, you know, you feel good. You they go to the final. Bad. The team who beats you, <laughs> you know, in the team first round, they were a team of destiny, man. Right. You feel good about it. <laughs> you know. So. The Pacers lost to the Bulls, so... <laughs> right, right, yeah. It's bad. It's bad. So, so it's not that bad. Adrian invites the Reggie Miller of this bracket. I got you, yes. You oh, well, I'm, I'm Phil. Mm. Oh, Mike. Uh, for, for me, Phil is... He, as soon as you've watched, like, the pilot for, for Modern Family, he's... With open arms, he is like this this character that, like Kayla said, like just goofy, fun loving. You you want to be around him. You want him to be your dad. Dad. Uh, ben doesn't start that way. I don't know if we mentioned that Ben kind of just sucks when he's first introduced. He's like this pencil pushing, like accountant that is a foil to Leslie at first. Uh, yeah, and he I, doesn't seem I happy just, in his life. Yeah, you know, he's he's come from uh he wa- he was like a happy fun loving type dude and then made some decisions early on was elected to like a mayor of his hometown nice and a, as a teenager and uh was was a terrible decision. <laughs> yeah. But uh just just that you have to kind of fight through a little bit and and then it Ooh. really pays off with Ben uh and you really get to see how awesome he is! I, I I have to go with Ben. I I see myself in Ben uh, a lot, like Tomas said, and uh, yeah, I, I think we got another tie here. That's gonna oh. work to, uh, to post. It's a tough one. Wow. Put it up. Put okay. It up. Okay, I like it. So <laughs> we'll have the uh, the fans decide: Ben Wyatt or or Phil Dunphy um, to to get to the next round. All right, we've come to it, the final matchup uh, in in today's Bracket of Nonsense episode. We have Anton Chigurh from No Country for Old Men versus Joel Miller from The Last of Us. Um, Jesus, wow. Joel. <laughs> wow. And uh, honestly, you could kind of flip-flop these two characters in their like the universes that they come through from. Yes. And, uh, and you yeah. kind of wind up in the same place a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Who's better um, at killing? I think is what this argument comes up. Well, we That's see. Awesome, man. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we see Joel kill more people, but we have to assume Anton has uh, yeah, I mean, done a lot off screen. We've gotten more time to kill with Joel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. We've had um, our hands on that control with Joel. So yeah. I, I think Anton was a double up, right? Me and me and Mike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What do you got, Mike? <laughs> Uh, I mean, Anton, man, he's just, he's just so cool. I know I say this a lot, but he's so cool. Like, just the scene, like, him and, and Josh Brolin's character are, uh, are kind of trying to outwit each other throughout the movie. And just the scene where the, the shootout in the hotel and he, he shoot, he takes, he takes the bulb out in the hallway so that you can't see the shadow coming up to the door. Uh, and you know, shoots the, just the way he shoots the lockout with like his little 
pneumatic fucking cow killer or whatever you like. <laughs> and uh, he's he and just his he's kind of like in the Joker the that 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 idea of chaos and just allowing you know a coin flip uh, to decide everything and that you know you've you've been coming you've been living your whole life just to come up to this moment and to this you know chance uh it's just such a cool idea um man it's tough i i joel is just you you like you you get to see more of that journey with joel and, yeah. and more growth for sure and where anton is just hits the more primal uh parts of my brain uh joel hits primal parts emotional parts yeah uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I can have a, a strong enough argument for Anton against Joel here. I don't know. What do you guys think? Joel, even with the time skip, like you're, you're along for the ride. Like it's like that, even like at that short intro of that video game and boy, do they fucking throw you in right away with that game. Um, yeah, like, you, you can understand that, you know, he's, you know, he's a single parent. Uh, he's a good parent. You know, he's he's caring. Uh, you know, not necessarily perfect, but like they do such a strong job in like conveying like the relationship that he has with his daughter, like in such a short amount of time. Even even with like his brother, like Tommy, uh, and you know, and they and they even carry that over. They roll that over. Uh, you know, and it's it's subtle at first, but like. And on top of that, like, you know, like, yes, Joel's a badass. Yes, Joel is a killer, but he wasn't always these things. You know, he's very much a product of his environment. And, right. you know, like, it was like, kill or be killed. Um, and I can imagine, like, early on, there was, like, the even the will to survive past that after losing his daughter right out the gate. Like, you know, the fact that he still persevered and still pushed on and, you know just live you know to me there's just more to a character with that like you know, it's like what pushes a man like that to continue moving forward and like it's and then like you know you you're in the steering wheel like you are this character like for that first game and like and you get to break off the layers you get to learn more about him you get to learn that like he's he's just a broken man he's like Life's been hard, um, and, uh, you know, and he doesn't always make the right decisions, and it's like, he's not killing just to kill, necessarily, he's killing to survive, and he's, you know, even towards the end, he's killing to do what he thinks is the right thing, uh, although, albeit, like, at the end, it's for selfish reasons, but, like, you know, it's like, there's a, there's a character there. There's more than just like this guy who's chucking bricks at people's heads. And, and, yeah. You know, you know, and both of these characters get horrific injuries at certain mm -hmm. points, but man, oh, when, God. when it happens to Joel, like that, that rebar, me, your heart goes up into your, your, yeah. You know, like you're just, Oh my gosh. Like, Holy oh. shit. Joel needs to be okay. Yeah. We need to like save him. And then again, later in the game, like for me, when you're, you're, you know, they've, they've taken Ellie to this hospital and you're just a one man wrecking crew oh, yeah. trying to get, and 
I played that game. I read every note, listened to every, you know, audio file or whatever. I was, I didn't stop for any of that shit. I was just in, so in tune with, with Joel's mentality. Yep. And having to get to that room, wherever Ellie was and find yep. her. It, it's, it's just a strong experience that I haven't had a lot in games. And it's just so memorable for me. Joel's so good. I think he's the best part of that series. Uh, having played through both. Like I thought after last of us one, I was like, Oh man, it could be Ellie. It could be Joel. Uh, but the sequel really cemented it for me with Joel, like that he's he's the man. It comes full, completely full circle, and then maybe he does like a fucking five forty. Yeah, for me. And, yeah, we shouldn't have spoiled the skateboarding section of uh, Last of Us Two. I don't, I don't think we should have done that. But well, there's too many stick rails everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> grinding. I think in this the apocalypse <laughs> in this matchup, like it's such a matchup of like Shigur's almost like a comic book character where he's just like he embodies fate, whatever. Like people don't, I don't think, exist in in the real world like Shigur. You know, like he is like he's a psychopath, but like in in like such a defined way <laughs> like he's a yeah. psychopath who has this like quirk i don't know like what way way to to do it um whereas joel like like you said i mean we get to see his whole life almost um and it's almost you can put yourself in joel's shoes i i can at least playing those those games and like making those decisions and and maybe maybe you would do what he did or or, or not but um I can never put myself in in Shigeru's shoes. It's just seeing like he's such a um, unique just being, like not even he's a human a just being. Yeah, yeah, he's a Terminator. He's a human yeah. Terminator. He is. Right. He doesn't feel pain. Like he he gets all of he gets so messed up at certain points, and he he doesn't even flinch. He doesn't even feel think like he feels pain. He just knows that he has to patch this up for him to survive. It's not even really a a detriment to him. That yeah, <laughs> that scene where he cuts the like skin necessity. off of his robot arm and he puts yeah. on love. <laughs> I feel like Anton could do that. Like he could <laughs> fucking expose his skeletal hand and still just continue to keep ticking, uh, which is is cool. Is fucking cool. <laughs> like, uh, but Joel, I, I. I can't go against Joel here, even with Anton. Yeah. I, I I think Anton is a tough matchup for Joel still, but yeah, I I I voted for Anton. I I kind of played uh, the game where I knew someone. I wanted to have Joel on my list, but I knew someone would have him. I knew Eric <laughs> specifically would have him. Uh, he didn't let me down in that respect. Uh, yeah, Eric was that was a shoe fire for it. like mm-hmm. if you didn't pick that one, I would have been like, all right, we're we're redrafting. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what the fuck, Kayla? What do you, uh, what do you got on this? I haven't seen No Country for Old Men in a long time, but Joel is just. I think a part of it is too. You just get to play as him. You get to have him for such a long arc of seeing what happened getting hints about what he's been through in the last 10 years 
and then being him hard and and cold to open up again and let someone in. So that's like just a really big moment to watch somebody go through to to play as somebody go through and then you have to make tough decisions <laughs> and like Mike Barry. said you just you just barrel through there. I mean, who who's to say that they didn't kill her for nothing? I don't know. I don't want to make that decision. I don't want her to go through that. Like I'm I'm going to rescue Ellie. <laughs> Yeah, I was. I thought Joel made the right choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think, I think with this, Mike mentioned it in. I don't know if it was like in for Shakur or some other character, but like we do. It's unfortunate for for Anton that like we don't get to see enough. Like we could, I I would watch like a a, a sequel or something or a prequel origin or something, or something, an origin yeah. story, right? Whereas Joel, we we get everything. We, like, there's no need to really do anything. Like, once Last of Us Two is completed, you get to see Joel's entire story, his life, and everything else. Um, and and it's amazing. And and you know, unfortunately for him, in terms of this bracket, you know, Anton didn't didn't get to have that. We just kind of have to make up that story in our mind, and um, and that's tough. Yeah, I think the amount of text just yeah just overcomes Anton. I, it, it's, it's kind of, it, it, it's Joel. Yeah. Joel's yeah. just so, um, revolutionary too. in in that game, it just was so pretty. It was so fun to play. It, it was the best game. It still holds up. It, it's hard to compete with something that was just so overwhelmingly enjoyable. It was an experience. Yeah. yeah. Like it's it's like yeah. more than just a video game. Like it was like I was on a I was on a roller coaster ride and you know, once once that bar slid down on me, like like I was on there for the whole thing. It's I think that's the game that killed Roger Ebert, I think. Pretty it sure. may have. I would like to think it was Shadow of the Colossus, but <laughs> We're given Joel. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Joel makes it to round three over Anton Shiger. That is the end of this half of the bracket. So to recap, we have Leslie Nope, Cliff Booth, Ahsoka Tano, Tony Stark, the Joker, Joel Miller. And we have two spots that will be decided by the fans. So the fans will decide between Alucard and Big Boss, and they will decide between Ben Wyatt and Phil Dunphy. So that'll be that. And then we will get on to the next eight matchups in the bracket of nonsense round two. This was episode 41 of the Machina Nonsense. We did half of round two of the Bracket of Nonsense. We had a lot of fun. We're going to get some fan 
votes going. So that's going to be a first ever in the bracket of nonsense. We'll be posting that to social media. You'll be hearing the results of that very soon. We ask you, as always, to join us on social media. Join our group, Monstars, on Facebook. We also have an Instagram and a Twitter. So leave us something there. You could also leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash machine of nonsense. We'd love to hear you, and we will put you on this pod. This was episode 41. For Mike, for Tomas, for Kayla, I'm your host, Eric, and we are saying goodbye. Adios.